This is the official Covering the Corner podcast, episode 192. I am your host, Matt Lyons, and in this week's episode, have some meatballs, talk about stuff that happened in Cleveland Guardians baseball this week, talk about Nolan Jones making his MLB debut and having a pretty good first couple games, talk about the all-star selections, including, of course, which Guardians got selected, and if, who any, was any snubs for the Guardians, and Fernando Reyes, is he potentially on the trading block? There was some minor talks about the, the fact that he doesn't want to change positions, and maybe the Guardians will be dealing him this offseason, so we'll talk about that. Uh, joining me for that morning is the Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how you doing? I'm great, man. How, how have you been? It's been so long. Oh, I know. This is it's this is maybe the first back-to-back weeks we've had podcasts. So it's a strange feeling. Honestly, but it's nice to be in, back talking in two months, I, it feels like. Yeah, we, we've just been <laughs> kind of avoiding each other. Yeah. Not a, not yeah, a, a very fraught relationship here behind the scenes. <laughs> totally. I, it's, it's just all the fighting that we do all the time. It's just roll up to your house and throw rocks at your windows. Yeah. Like grumping. <laughs> I know, just a lot of just being mad at each other. It's great. We're having a great time. <laughs> no, but it's it's we picked the the worst time I think to do back to back episodes because this is maybe the worst the Guardians have looked uh, all season. Yeah, I mean, other than the one Royals I, game, what, I thought they thought they rebounded and they just went straight back down. I will say I made a decision to myself. Uh, maybe this is called being delusional. I don't know, but I've decided this team will no longer make me sad, and so I I only find joy in the things it does. It was a little harder this past week than other weeks, but what are you going to do? You know, it's a uh, Day it's a baseball game. I'm just enjoying it every single day. And if it sucks, and it sucks, it's, I hope it won't affect the rest of my day. Sometimes it will. But what are you going to do? You got to you got to maintain the happy. You know, got to hold. I'm that curious in. where the happy was in five bed. scoreless innings by Zach Greinke. Well, I'm just wondering where the uh, where the know. joy came in that little little part. Well, it's neat to watch Zach Greinke one, um, and two. You know, I mean, that, that was a Nolan Jones uh, day. So watching, and I, I think we we can get this in a bit, or we can talk about it now. I don't care, um, but. I, th- I think we talked about this earlier in the season with Quan uh, facing off against Greinke because that's just it's a you know um, Greinke doesn't have the stuff he once did like when he was a young phenom. Th- you used to throw a hundred miles an hour, right? Like when he won a Cy Young back in was it oh seven oh eight or whatever it was oh uh, six maybe anyway uh, back when he was fir- his first stint with the Royals. Um, but he such a smart pitcher, right? Like he just knows how to get guys out, and I and obviously. Um, Someone like uh, Jones is kind of uh, has the benefit in that matchup because he has no book effectively on him. Whereas you kind of know what Granky's going to do to you, except you don't know what he's going to do because he has like seven pitches and they're all pretty good. And uh, if they don't work, they'll just throw an Ephus pitch and get you out anywhere. He'll suddenly learn a knuckleball. So, um, you know, that, 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 those little dashes of joy right there. We got, got to see the new guy. I got to see a bunch of old guys. Some dingers got hit over the weekend. That's always fun. So there you go. Yeah. You know what? Uh, you know what brings me joy, Merritt? Tell me. Meatball. Meatballs, man. Meatballs bring me joy. That's true. Uh, I think the sound is back. Sub over it. the weekend. So, yeah. <laughs> and of course, this is our meatball section where we uh, toss little tidbits of Guardians baseball over the week, uh, toss them over the plate. I still don't share how that analogy works out, but it does. Uh, Mary, I know you have two this week, so I'll let you go first and we'll just sandwich mine in between yours. Mm, meatball sandwich. Meatballs <laughs> as the bread and the meat. Perfect. Right. <laughs> the perfect sandwich. <laughs> the perfect meatball sub. <laughs> That'd be a mess. Matt, um, this past weekend, a man named Tristan McKenzie uh, had a start against the Royals. I've heard of him. He was he was pretty good. Went six innings, three hits, five five walks, which was now not ideal. 
uh, especially for a team like the Royals, who does not walk a lot. But four strikeouts. But again, at the end of the day, um, he did not allow any runs across the plate, and ultimately um, the Guardians won 13-1. to Did you know, Matt, that uh, Christian McKenzie has four starts this year where he's not allowed a single run? Four. This past, uh, what was that, I guess, on the 9th, so two days ago, as we record this. And then also the other team that he did this against would be Oakland and Cincinnati, which kind of makes sense. They're terrible offensive teams, um, just the dregs of their respective divisions. And the fourth team, Matt, would probably be his best start of the season. That would be a seven-inning start against the best team in baseball, the Yankees. Where, <laughs> where he also had a no-hitter going for several Yeah, <laughs> he was incredible. It's just it's truly wild when you see things like that. Um, yeah, and then he has three one uh, three starts with only one runner allowed against Colorado, Houston, and the White Sox. So it's like, and that Colorado one was in Colorado too, which was the craziest one I think. Like just things were just not falling the right way. So, um, is Tristan McKenzie good? I still don't know. I, I ask myself that every single day with every single one of these pitchers that I watch. I'm just like, I don't know. I mean, you know, uh, Bieber drops that curveball and it's sick, but his fastball goes 80 miles an hour. I mean, Plezak has these flashes of talent. Cal Quantrill continues to be a total throwback. Aaron Savali had a great start this past week, so I don't know either. Like, what are we doing here? I don't know, but it's um, it makes it exciting. Not in a way I enjoy particularly, but it makes it, I guess interesting. I guess that would be the word for it. Interesting. So there you go. I feel like with McKenzie, we're at the point where we can say he's good but inconsistent because he has these starts where he's like amazing. He has a couple where he's around like a run or two and then he just implodes for a couple starts in a row once in a while. So it's good but inconsistent, which he's only 24. So I, it's not completely out of out of left field that he's not consistent yet. And I remember a couple starts back, um, Manning was talking about, Rick Manning, of course, Arch as we know him. Um, he was talking about how you know, right now he's just working on mastering his fastball slider curveball combo and a changeup will show up eventually, which will be great. Um, but, you know, it's like, where will the evolution come? What is a ceiling? I'm not, I don't think he'll ever be an ace. You know what I mean? I don't think he'll ever be like a 250 ERA guy with 230 innings under his belt or whatever. The, I know there was that article in the athletic, I think it was, where the ace is effectively a dead thing now. But what does he look like as a pitcher? In three years, I don't know. I think that, that he's probably the most interesting one at this point because I think the other three guys that I mentioned are kind of a known quantity at this point. I don't. I, I think we've kind of seen everything. We, excuse me, everything we will out of Bieber, um, especially with the velocity drop. I mean, if he can't get that back, then he's kind of a middle middle of the rotation kind of guy anyway. But uh, I, 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 I don't know. Am I, am I wrong in saying that McKenzie kind of has the most upside still with this with this uh, rotation? Oh, upside, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like you said, Bieber, we don't know what he is. Please, Zach, Zavali, we know what they are. I, I think Tristan McKenzie is the last one who can explode to be something better than he is, and I think he's already pretty good. So it's Yeah, the last one was too. a really good upside, I think, unless you think cool. Connor Pilkington has a ton of upside as the fifth starter. I love his name. I don't know. It's a good name. Uh, it's going to be a great know, it's funny. I, I follow Kyle Boddy, um, the, you know, the founder of Driveline on Twitter, and one of the stats they track is um, – like X stuff plus it's a it's a thing they created themselves sort of to, to measure just raw stuff of a pitcher and apparently the guardians have like their farm system has like top three or four stuff or expected stuff plus whatever uh in all of baseball and that's exciting I don't know where it really sits as far as relief versus starting pitching I mean I know we've always talked about the uh, you know the Cleveland baseball or pitching factory um, but I don't, I don't know what that will look like. I mean, I, like that article in the athletic mentioned, like the, the role of the starter is kind of, um, diminishing, like seeing a guy go more than five, six innings is not a rarity, but it's like, Oh, that's interesting. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's almost surprising. Um, I, I almost wonder like, 
are we going to get to a point here like with Cleveland where there's going to have a bunch of just fire, you know, fire breathers in the bullpen and then just a, guy, a bunch of guys who can kind of get you through five innings, allow a run or two and then get the hell out of there. Kind of like what the Royals were able to pull off when they won the World Series back in 15. Um, yeah, I feel like the, the Guardians have some of those guys, I think. In the mind, like the big stuff. I don't know exactly what the what, what do you say weighted stuff plus is that what it it's, is? Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a it's an expected stuff plus. Yeah, is what so I, I is, would is assume that's like Daniel Espino, Gavin Williams, Hunter Gaddis, and maybe like even Tanner Bibby now. So like it's again, we have these pitchers are starting to the ones in the majors. We're starting to know what they are, and then all of a sudden yeah, we have this other sure. wave coming up soon. So yeah, so I mean, and, and you know, and then we've always kind of given the benefit of the doubt for re- for, for good reason to. Cleveland both in when they trade players away, but also in when they and how they develop pitchers. So I'm not going to say like, oh, we're they're doomed, but it's just like this is the worst rotation they've had in maybe since a, 2012, a 2015. Yeah, <laughs> and it's still not even like a terrible rotation. It's no, just middle it's, of the road, which for them is unusual. Yeah, I mean, overall they have a 98 ERA plus as a team. Uh, Bieber's at you know he's a 113 area plus Tristan McKenzie 112 Klesak 100 Cal Quantrill 101 Savale 60 uh, <laughs> we don't talk about that one Connor Pelican 96 so it's all <laughs> like go. right around league average right like that's kind of what they are as a team they're just kind of an average team that's why they are as we talk 41 and 42 basically as average as you can get based on coin flips and stuff so um, yeah anyway What's your delicious, tasty uh, blend of sausage and ground beef with some seasonings? <laughs> That's the weirdest way to describe the meatball. I put sausage in meatball sometimes. I don't know. So I've heard people use veal, which is interesting. Um, so mine, as as I do every time before I have a podcast, just a random couple hours before the, I'm desperately looking for anything for a meatball. Any specific fun thing about the Guardians? <laughs> um, but my, I decided to look at the. Uh, I don't know if you're on baseball savant. They have like these rolling leaderboards. It's all based on expected. Expected Wobo, which is basically um, how good your contact is in every at bat. Not there's also expected Woba on contact, which is specifically about contact. But X Woba is just expected. Um, your expected Woba of every at bat. And I was looking at the the different levels. Like 50, play, 50 plate appearances, which means like very recently these guys are spiking up and they're doing a lot better. A hundred is in between, and two hundred fifty plate appearances means like over the long span, these guys are getting better than they were over the previous two hundred fifty plate appearances. Um, the second best improvement in 250, which is over the long term, is, of course, Andres Jimenez, which I feel like this is maybe my third time in a row doing Andres Jimenez meatball. but <laughs> Well-deserved. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought it was interesting. Dansby Swanson's number one, Jimenez number two, Schwarber's number three. So it's an interesting top three, but then also got me thinking, maybe it's it's a, a stupid idea, but should Andres Jimenez be the comeback player of the year? If I know he's going back down now a little bit, but if he like maybe walks a little more and keeps playing extremely well, I mean, he was terrible last year. And also, I remember he came up as a rookie. He had 132 plate appearances, so he wasn't nobody, and he was above average. And then he tanked, and now if he turns into, like, he's an all-star, which we'll talk about later, but if he's even better than that, could you include him in comeback player of the year? I mean, he's clearly one of the most improved players compared to how he played last year, but also he was just, that it happens all the time where a rookie comes up or a second-year player, and they're they're terrible. But I kind of like the idea of thinking of Andres Jimenez as a comeback player as a 23-year-old. I mean, I, I see where you're coming from. I vehemently disagree, but, you know, that's that's why we have these conversations. Um, <laughs> so you're noted Andres Jimenez hater, Merritt Rolfing. Hated. It. It's, it's literally, I had a tattooed on my back. Um, I, I see it, though. I mean, like you said, he was, this is his third season, effectively, like, yeah, so pseudo, not full, you know, 149 yeah, games, 68, 
<laughs> now, granted, you, he, we, we've just barely crossed the. I have played 162 games as a major leaguer. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, Come back, play of the year. I'm just last wondering. month. Um, I hear it. I mean, most improved. I, I could see that more. And obviously, you know, if I if I want to be a big old wet blanket over here. Coming up with you always goes to guy who got hurt. Yeah, I, mean, I was looking at the point. previous ones. It's always like a devastating leg injury or had cancer and missed a year, and not just or pitcher who got Tommy John bad. surgery, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, which is an injury. I mean, it's not it's yeah, exactly all yeah. the same umbrella. Yeah. It's not just was bad for a little bit as a twenty two year old. Tommy John's like a lot a better fake injury anyway. It's just it's just part of pitching. So you know, it's like I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's, not it's like just fake. It's all made up. They just yeah, want it's to all get, fake. Yeah. It's all yeah. It's all, it's all just game in the system. That's all. Yeah, it's, it's, they just yeah. want that new elbow ligament. That's it. They're all yeah, it. a bunch of cheaters They're trying to go through debilitating surgery and one year's <laughs> worth of, <laughs> of pain rehab. and suffering. Yeah, just they so just they wanna... can throw not even faster, as fast. I don't even. You know, it's like <laughs> that's it. So I guess then, if that's a if that's a non-starter. Uh, as long as you're what about Josh Naylor? He that's a devastating. Now injury. you're talking. Now then, you're talking. Now if he plays yes. the rest of the year, I mean, he wasn't. He was. He's never been. He's not coming back from being good, but just coming back from a devastating injury, I, I think he's a good story for that. Could be Josh Naylor. I mean, listen, yeah, you bounce back from what he went through when he has a. What's he hitting now? Where is? It's really a W. Two eighty three thirty. Yeah, I mean, he's great. Like he's like we were talking before the podcast. Like he's probably gonna end the season with what. 30 doubles and 25 home runs. Um, I mean, his numbers are crazy, man. Like, like you know, it's, it's fun to extract. He's 56 games to play. Like, you extrapolate that to, uh, to a full season. We're talking about basically a 30 home run, 140 R- RBI. The guy we've always wanted. You know, the guy we always talk about w- wishing we that, that we had here. And he is everything that that is. And like, he gets a lot of hits, too. That's a, that's a lot of fun. We have 180 hits, something like that. Yeah. So yeah. Doesn't strike out a ton compared no. to hey, he wa- He's walking, like I was saying before, he wa- he's walking more than he ever has. He hits the ball harder than he ever has. He strikes out not quite as little as he ever has, but in terms of sample size, he, he certainly is. So, Naylor, I would definitely say, yes, he is a strong candidate for um, coming up with the year. I haven't really looked into who was... Like just twenty twenty one in like IL lists and just see who is a good player on there. <laughs> That's but, basically you know, how you find out it's just who was yeah. your last year and who's good now, which is fair. Yeah, Whatever, yeah. give him an award for it. Yeah. What's your other your meaty now, sauce? Well, now before? I just want to talk about Kyle Schwarber because I'm crazy. <laughs> you mentioned before the guy. He is cool. <laughs> Talking right. about saucy meatballs, we got Kyle Schwarber. Twenty eight home runs already. My God. Um, yeah. He's anyway, no, my actual one was we're going to talk about the month of July. And we're going to talk about dingers. Ooh. And we're going to talk about the Cleveland the Guardians. Uh, I'm going to play a game called, hey, Matt, who do you think is the leader in this? Uh, Matt, who do you think has a, the most home runs of any uh, Guardian in uh, in July? Andres Jimenez. Wrong. It's Fernando Reyes. <laughs> um, who do you think is tied for second? Two players. I have no idea. It's Josh Naylor and Ahmed Rosario. Both have two home runs. What's wild about this? Nolan Jones and uh, Jose Ramirez are tied for. I was almost going to say Nolan Jones because he only has one. Uh, I thought maybe this will be one. Yeah, not a lot yeah. of not a lot of home runs uh, here. Eleven days in, not by, a big uh, power Guardians. team through July. Uh, yeah. No, no, they're more of a yeah, quad, right? and a lot of doubles. It's more fun that way or something. Yeah, they have. You know, I mean, Jose Ramirez has four doubles. Uh, Reyes, by the way, has been hitting the crap out of the ball. Listen, those home runs are rally killers. You just want doubles. You don't want to score. Uh, I agree. No, not even double. I want base hits. I want singles everywhere. By the way, Reyes is hitting 244, 238, 610. Uh, his on-base percentage is lower than his batting average. Anyway, the reason I actually was focusing on this was, was specifically about Naylor. Uh, he has played four games and has, you know, as many home runs as the second highest guy. I mean, he just, you know, 
I don't know. He's hitting 500, 563, 929 here in July. He's heating back up. He's good again. We love him. He's the best. Ahmed Rosario also is not heating up at all, but he hit a couple of dingers, so maybe they can trade him soon. Um, anyway, just just interesting. Reyes is, I can't remember who, who, who it was uh, on the cover in the corner, who, wherever, but Reyes is starting to turn it around, right? And then we're going to get to this probably towards the end of the show. But he's starting to finally turn on after what one bad month, and he's exactly the player we all expect him to be. Yes, he has no no walks in the entire month and sixteen strikeouts, but <laughs> that's basically what we want him to be as long as he's hitting four home runs. In Honestly, 11 yeah, games, four, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, hey, you, you give me ten home runs a month and I don't know six doubles, and that's it, man. Let's do it. <laughs> It'll be frustrating and irritating for a lot of times, and then there were those those mammoth blasts, and that's what we want. So there you go. Diggers, diggers, diggers. Uh, yeah, I, I hope he finds it again, even if it's just hitting the ball hard, even if they end up trading him, which is, um, I mean, we can start with that one because that's a nice little segue there. The fact that uh, Terry Pluto in his column, I, I think we talked about Terry Pluto before, the fact that he's basically just a mouthpiece for the Guardians, but with that comes knowing that the things he says are probably connected to somebody in the organization. Yeah, I agree. Um, he said in his one column, he said, I hear they will be looking to move Fran Reyes, who has finally started to hit. Uh, he was on the Guardians. Have talked to him about getting in better shape and playing the outfield, but that hasn't transpired at this stage of his career. The 27 year old Reyes seems content to be a DH. Um, that that says a, a couple things: <laughs> the fact that the Guardians might consider trading him at the deadline, the fact that he doesn't want to do anything but DH. And we've seen them try to put him in the outfield. I would assume it's because they want Josh Naylor to be the DH and Fernando Reyes by the outfield. But even when he's out there, like that is not a smooth looking player. Even when he, <laughs> I, I've seen them like just chase balls that have been fouls. And he's just like going to pick him up. He just sort of walks over to him instead of jogging or running. Kind of most players do, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I, you can tell he doesn't really want to be an outfielder. It doesn't look like, but and we know the Guardians. They don't like players who who stick to one position and refuse no, to versatility. move. Um, yeah. yeah, versatility is important. And if he doesn't want to do that, I guess find somebody else who wants thirty home runs from their DH um, and trade him for. I mean, at this point, we said the trade trust they're going to make the right trade, and I don't, I don't hate the idea of trading a guy who. You're going to get a lot back for, I would assume. Um, I love Fran Reyes as a DH, but if they don't, if, if they would rather have Josh Naylor's DH and get, I don't know, send him to the Pirates, they'll take anybody <laughs> and oh, give yeah, you good dude. players back. Get Brian Reynolds back, dream. include uh, something else in for him. Uh, I don't know if that would work, but um, trade him to the Pirates, they'll send you somebody good and, and they'll have Fran Reyes over there. I don't know, but uh, yeah, what do you think of the fact that the Guardians, it didn't say like he's on the trading block to talk to players. It's just like a, a, a formulation somebody's had, they might end up trading him down the road. No, and it makes, I mean, honestly, it makes sense. Like you said, with the versatility thing, like, Naylor, at the very least, can play three positions. Um, you know, he's not good in the outfield particularly, but he can, he's willing to do it, and I think that's that's important in a way. He's also just a better hitter. I mean, I just, I mean, if we're just going off, I mean, going off this year would be unfair to a friend meal, but, I mean, we're also only looking at how many, you know, how much total baseball out of uh, Naylor, and he's been getting better every year, and he's two years younger, um, makes more contact, he walks more, he hits for, you know, I mean, power is wonderful, right? Raw tools are totally cool, and we love them, and we have guys who are super fast and who hit the ball real hard and throw the ball real hard, but baseball is littered with examples of guys who have that one tool but never turns it in. You know, Billy Hamilton's a good example. Um Steve Dalkowski was he the pitcher back in the sixties? Uh, who could throw a ball through, like, through the wall? But you know, again, there's, there's how many guys are out there who like, Sam Hentges is an interesting example from last year at least. Was he just was he could throw the ball incredibly hard and he had a big slider, but he couldn't put it together until this year. So 
baseball is like I said, is littered with guys who are toolsy but never really put it together. I think the Guardians' own farm system over the last fifteen years is littered with guys who are toolsy but never put it all together because it's hard to be a baseball player. It's just it's incredibly difficult, and I don't understand how they ever make contact anyway. Right, um, exactly. You know, like you see some videos that are just camera shots from either behind the plate or a, you know a GoPro on the catcher's helmet. You're like, wow, are they guessing? So. Um, Listen, I mean, I, I know, I know, we all like Framil Reyes. Um, if I'm being honest, I don't think he's ever, I don't think he's done a lot to really kind of ensconce himself into the lore and the hearts, in the lore of baseball in Cleveland, or into the hearts of fandom in Cleveland. That's not anything against him. It's just, I mean, they were kind of an unremarkable team last year. The, um, the pandemic year was just bizarre, and, and isn't that when they got him anyway? Yeah, well, they got a midway through 2019. Okay, yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, was, so we had the pandemic. Which he didn't do year, great which, that year, and then no, his he, best year he, was last year, which he said, like you said, they were not a great team. So, and he was, and he was good, but like he was, what was he like a 112 OPS plus or something like that? Yeah, 116. So he hit, he hit fine. His OPS was under 800, which is not really what you want out of a. I'm sorry, he was 846. So I mean, yeah, again, he was he was a fine player. I mean, but the discipline has disappeared. Seems to have disappeared and. I mean, he's walking half as much as he used to. He's striking out what eight point nine points more, hitting for less power. So, I think he'd be easy to move in that respect, especially since the DH is everywhere now. And um, someone will either say, "I can fix him," because you know we all we all love um, scarred. You know, we all we all we all want to we all, we all want to be the one who saves the you know turns the guy into the next Jose Jose. Batista. Who's that guy? Jose uh, Ramirez. Who's, who's that one guy? Who's that one dude? <laughs> Jose Ramirez. Um, but I think it would suck. I mean, it would be sad to see him go because he's a big, cool guy, and I and I enjoy watching him when he hits the ball well. But again, just he's had a horrible year. Um, I, I think it would also be trading low at this point. So I'm, I, I'm I sure guess, they're hoping he hits well if they want to trade him. He, I, I I agree with you in a sense, but like I think that there is a team out there, and it might be the Pirates. It might be. There's a lot of desperate teams out there, in a sense, where they're they're trying to find the you know I mean I think the A's would be an interesting choice. I think the Mariners maybe are always trying to wheel and deal and find the solution to their many problems. Uh, I think the Angels are a good example of a team that's trying to because he's still under control for a while too. Uh, the Angels are trying to you know not waste two of the greatest players of all times primes. Um, there's definitely places to put him. I mean, and you can get something back. I mean, you see him can't trade for draft picks. You could do something like that. That'd be that'd be the ultimate uh, Cleveland move. But you know, I, I, he also just doesn't fit. And I think this is something you mentioned before. Like he doesn't really fit the makeup of the team in general. This team can afford one, you know, slow-footed corner outfield slash first baseman slash DH, and he has to be able to <laughs> play all three of those. And they have one of those, right? Like you look at down the rest of the lineup. They're listed on baseball reference at least as their first baseman is a man who has an 89 or 90 percent percentile sprint speed in Owen Miller, right? I mean, they're they have two short stops, technically, they have three short stops playing in the infield because Jose Ramirez gives us a shortstop. Outfield's full, they have two and like, they have two center fielders out there almost now. Um, so like the key is has always been versatility and athleticism. And I just, I'm not saying he's not athletic, he's an incredibly athletic man, he hits the ball a quarter mile, but he also won't lose weight, which is, um, Concerning, I guess. I mean, he's not athletic uh, as an outfielder compared to other right, major exactly, league outfielders. Yeah. Look right, he's not, it's not like he's covering ground out there. I mean, I'm sure he's got a nice arm and everything like that, but like playing right field and progressive sucks. Um, it's huge. And then playing left field and progressive means you have to work the wall well, which is difficult. And that, that takes a lot of practice and kind of an innate 
left fielderiness that not a lot of guys actually have. I don't know. You know, I think um, like Brantley was great. Was great at that. Uh, he, he could read balls off the wall pretty well. I've had some guys for the years who I thought were pretty good at that. Um, Reyes just kind of like you said, he just kind of makes things more rigid for a team that until the minority owner decides to just spend a billion dollars, eventually we hope. Uh, or when they trade have... for Juan Soto and extend him for the we'll get into that later. There we go. We'll get into that later. Don't worry, it's fine. <laughs> um, but uh, I, it's just for a team that that is the very antithesis of rigidity. They don't have the space for a guy who locks up at one ninth of the lineup every single night. It's just it's it's an impossibility. Um, and so that it says I would be to see him go. It's just the way of things. How are they already up five to nothing? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Listen, Alex, Alex Call made the whole difference. Just had to bring him up. I guess so. Well, also, you know, the, the White Sox are terrible. So what are you going to do? Man, yeah. they hate themselves. <laughs> anyway, um, yes, um, I would be disappointed to see him go. But at the end of the day, like, it's just, as with the farm system, there's just not enough space for, for certain players at the end of the day. It's just the way it is, right? So. Yep. Um, so, Fremont Reyes would not be among the MLB All-Stars, but uh, they did announce him. One of them, or three of them, were Jose Ramirez, Andres Jimenez, Emmanuel Classe were all elected by player votes. Uh, no starters. I guess Classe is technically a starter as a reliever, but um, I, I, is there any real snubs there for the Guardians, I think? I, I tried to look and tried to mentally drum up some anger about somebody not getting in there, but there's nothing real. I guess maybe Jose Ramirez should have started, but also Rafael Devers is plenty... Excellent. Um, qualified <laughs> for it, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, honest. with how Ramirez has tanked recently, I think it's fine that Devers won out and started. I'm and as long as he's there. I think it's the important thing for him. Jimenez making it is just awesome in general. Maybe he should have started. I don't know. Who's like who really turned it on at the end I, there? I, yeah. I mean, I, I think I think yeah you know, for for the position he's playing, I I think he's probably offensively you know a half a step behind Altuve, but defensively at this point, I think he's probably better, more versatile as well. Yeah, but again, that's another one of like that. it's fair. And and just looking through like just the other play, I guess maybe you could almost say that Shane Bieber has like an edge case for a replacement because um, he's surprisingly not been bad despite how bad his pitches. Like just looking at raw stats, he's he's up there with AL pitchers, but I wouldn't like say he's a snub by any means. So there's I don't know. This so feels, many this feels pretty pitchers, fair man. for the Guardians. Like, yeah. There's just there's so many of them is, is the issue. So uh, outside, I mean, I could bitch and moan about Eli Morgan. Because I think he's a neat example of a type of pitcher that does not normally exist, right? Kind of, kind of an interesting fireman kind of a guy. I, I'd say him, but he'd really be the only other one, honestly. Like everyone else is like. Okay, <laughs> you started out like you're about to say several people, and then it just died. Like, yeah, you know, that's just eh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's really not. It's just when you're a team that's below 500 and on a terrible stretch and you're just a young team, you're probably not going to have that many. I think three is a good number for, for what they are and how good the Here's league is right now. Is great players. Um, Buck Showalter, I think it was Buck Showalter, brought up the idea of there being a specific position, a super sub. Oh, you just play them anywhere, anytime? Right, yeah, I got, I got a, a perfect example. This would be the Ernie Clements of the world, right? Um, oh, like a six-man kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Like, like, the, the, the next guy on your bench or something like that. You know what I mean? Like your, your fourth out, like a fourth outfielder, utility infielder kind of a position. Um, does Cleveland have anyone like that on their team? I mean, obviously, the, the go-to no. here in Clement, and he's bad. <laughs> yeah, but, I was going to say, absolutely not. And, I, I don't know who I, I don't think be. it's like. I think yeah. in the perfect world, it would be like the perfect example of that is Ben Zobrist, obviously. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, not even a that. backup like bench guy. That's just a guy you play everywhere, though. That's just a super utility. Um, 
Which and at I, that I point you would just put him in at another position. He would just get in somewhere. No, I, I guess that's just what it would be. Yeah, I don't know. It was just something something he brought up. I was like, oh, I mean, that's a neat idea. It's except that if he was any good, he'd play every day. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know. I don't think it's quite like basketball. There's only five players, and I think that's a very manager thing of Buck Showalter. If it was him, like whoever's like, that's just sticking up for your guys who are on the bench and. You still believe him, but there's just no space. But also, they're they're probably not good enough to start. You know, you said something um, insightful just now. Oh, I did. You noted oh, yeah. that baseball is not basketball, and I think that we really need to take that to heart. <laughs> we don't talk about that just... enough, Merritt. The fact that baseball and basketball are different sports, different games altogether. <laughs> Sometimes you watch basketball; they're not even carrying a bat, and you're, what am I watching? You know what's interesting is in certain towns, Cleveland's a great example of this. You might think you're going to a baseball game. But then you turn in a different direction very slightly and you're at a basketball game. And yet, you can see, and when you're at a baseball game, you can see the basketball stadium. So, all very interesting stuff. In another direction, there's just a graveyard over there across the street from the baseball field for some reason. Sometimes you got to It's a very weird city. <laughs> you know? I mean, what are you going to do? Sometimes you go to Fenway Park and you see a highway. And on the other side, you see a swamp. So, it's interesting. What we're saying is basketball and baseball are different sports, man. Different. Now, we don't, don't get me started about football. Oh, yes, man. they're both played outside. But, Matthew, different. More players and also the ball. Helmets? They, they both have helmets. Are you both sure it's helmets. not the same sport? Correct. One only has bats. Now, could we discuss importing bats? No, let's not do that. Though. I'm sure the, the NFLPA would have a problem with that. So anyway. A minor problem, yeah. I'm sorry I derailed everything. <laughs> <laughs> that is the perfect segue in the Nolan Jones uh, making his MLB debut. I don't know how, but it counts. Uh, he, he was super good in his first game. Hit the I'm 457-foot home run <laughs> his first game. Um, it was it was an obnoxious home run. And, and coming into Monday, because this obviously doesn't include today's game, um, every ball and play he's hit has been at least 86 miles per hour, which is outstanding. Um, he was 5 of 10, a double, a home run, three walks, two strikeouts. That's, that's super good. He also, I mean, couldn't have debuted against a better team. He's facing the Royals who walk a ton of batters and give up a lot of home runs. They're all righties. It was like that was the time to promote Nolan Jones and have him be a good have to have a good start. Um and he did. Well, and, <laughs> he was And like I was saying before, do him start him getting the opportunity to pit, to bat against one of the wisest hitters out or pitchers out there, I think was good for him. He got a hit, I think. I think he got a hit off of uh yes, he got a hit off of Greg sure he also struck out looking once. Um, and then he also grounded out and worked a walk. He did hit a, uh, uh, as we record this, he does have a, he's one for one with a, uh, two RBI single. I did only go 74 miles an hour. So, uh, his streak is over. He is ruined, but no, yeah. <laughs> he's, he, got a, he's got a strong neck, Merritt. I, I don't want to get the Jim Tomey comparisons too early, but there's a lot of extra base hits and that neck is fierce. Mm, it's very true. Very true. Now he needs a bigger butt. If we're really going to start leaning into the old Tommy thing, but we'll I mean, get that's there. like look at Tommy when he was younger. He looked exactly like Nolan Jones does because he was a third like, baseman. Very true. Yeah. Very true. Hmm, interesting. Like interesting. I would imagine when I'm not saying they're be the same player, but when Nolan Jones ages, I think he's going to look a lot like Jim Tommy. Like just getting all thicked out when he gets older and Where's hopefully he hitting oh, 50 okay. home runs. So instead of being from Corn Country in Peoria, he's from Steel Country in Ben Salem, Pennsylvania. <laughs> See, yeah, look at that. Yeah, it's a big. Big blue collar boy out here. Look at this guy. Look at he's working <laughs> what three walks already. I mean, yeah, he's he's super. Polished, I'm extremely baby. Uh, but again, it's just a couple teams we've seen. I mean, every rookie come up so far and look great through a few games. But um, I, I do think it's it's worth noting the Guardians 
for as much on the outside, everybody seemed to give up on him. It doesn't seem like internally at all. They, they slowed down and believing in him and they just held him back for a year. Cause he missed 2020. I think that was really it. And the fact that he didn't come up last year looked a lot worse to everybody on the outside. But I think internally it was just, Hey, he didn't play one year. We want him to keep working on stuff and staying healthy. And he did. And now he's getting his chance and hopefully just runs with it. Cause he looks like a baseball player out there, which is a stupid scouting thing. But I think it's true in this case. He just looks like he's going to hit that baseball every time. And it's, you know, it is, it's wild too, just to look at his, his career minor league stats at this point. Cause he's still only, what is he? I can't do math. 24 years old, but he has, you know, 1600 at bats in the minors over every, every level. And like, I guess we're talking about a guy who had 327, like a 400 on base percentage across all the minors. Like, that alone, I think, was going to help him move forward eventually. And I know he had a back problem. Apparently, of all people, James Karinchak was um, one of the biggest helps to him as far as mindset and like staying positive when he was down in Arizona, I think, for rehabbing. Um, but he was incredibly um, helpful to help him kind of – because he was worried he was going to get back surgery, have to get back surgery, and then that would effectively um, end his career, right? Like a hitter getting like, – like him getting back surgery, it would delay it, and then it would just – you know pull him back and with, with the way that the rest of the minor league system is moving forward he disappeared eventually um but then you just look at what he did this year about 23 games 311 417 500 like it's fun man it's really cool that he's doing it um i want more but you know in the meantime i'll take what i get so <laughs> i want to see him keep doing it and also doing it against lefties which is first of all i want to see him play against lefties and not just be arbitrarily platooned because it was a problem early on but in triple a he's had no trouble uh, last couple of years hitting lefties i, I just let him try and play every day. It's not like we have this this power right-handed bat who's coming in to crush lefties. I'm sure Nolan Jones is better than Alex Call or whoever they send out there um, against lefties. So I want to see him playing every day. Just like I want to see Andres Jimenez playing every day and not being platooned, um, which he maybe he was, maybe he was just rest. I don't know. There were just some times where it was weird to sit him. But um, I, I, the arbitrary platoons are getting to me a little bit, I think, with Terry Francona and the ways, <laughs> especially the young players, because like Ahmed Rosario, he's not platooned at all. He's been in there like, he played multiple double headers over a couple of weeks and never was out of that shortstop spot, but everybody else, they just need to be swapped out so often. Um, let him get comfortable. Let other players get comfortable. Just let them play every day. God damn it. No, I mean, that's the thing we've talked about over and over. How this is kind of a stealth rebuild year and they just need to figure out how to get the young guys at bats. And like we were talking about before with, with, um, with Reyes, I mean, if this is, you know, I mean, if this is going to stop other guys from coming up, which is a stupid thing to say, it's like, a prospect is, you know, just a prospect. A guy who is actually a realized player is much more valuable than that. But is Reyes going to fall off? And then to your point about the, um, you know, like all the platoons and the rest days, every time they rest him in, it drives me goddamn. <laughs> he can handle being in the game. He's not. He's, he is young. He's, he's like the youngest guy on the team. I like, know. <laughs> it's, it's truly wild to me. It's like he's your officially now your second best player he's at times like, he's your best fun <laughs> if jose's having a rough week like that's the thing and then at a the point about jones like yeah let, let him try against lefties like that that's the thing like yeah especially like, this year what are you losing just letting him play against lefties see if he can yeah. do it i mean unless you're that concern all, that's going to ruin him mentally just let him do it right and I, I know we're all vibing off the fact that like in second place but like i don't think they're as bad as they were this past week which was awful but they're probably not they going to win the division. I don't think they were as good as they were the year. But I, I, think they'll, they'll, I think they'll finish over 500. I think they'll get 86 wins, um, something like that. But, like, this, he's a perfect example of a guy we have to see what we have there. I think Alex Call is another interesting example of that. Is Like, he's 27 now, yeah, but, like, 
he's hit the hell out of the ball. Like the last two years in the minors now, excuse me, he's been very good. Um, I mean, you know, this, especially this year, 283, 418, 504 over a non, not insignificant number of at bats. So did he figure something out? I don't know. Um, but like, even last year, it took him. He's a very interesting guy where 19, in 2019, when he was in, in Akron, he, he just did not hit well. COVID happened, obviously. Uh, so we don't have any stats. And then, he hit, and then he, when he got came back to Akron, double A, 310, 389, 503. Then got advanced to Columbus. 229, 335, 394. And then this year, 23, 14, 504. I mean, do you ride that trend and just like, you know, let him be bad this year so he's good next year? Is that even how things work? Sometimes, sometimes not. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's just up until they find out. We'll um, see. I don't know. They just want to look at this merely pitching and then. That was me just kind of illustrating the fact that they need to give these guys some opportunities if they're going to find. Oh, you home run. God damn. Um, <laughs> sorry, I got distracted. Um, if they, if they're gonna do something, they gotta you know if if they're gonna you know build into a true contender, they gotta, they gotta see if there's a couple lottery tickets because there's the, you know there's the sure things I'm sure that they think they have, but there's the lottery tickets too that like can help lift the team from good to amazing, right? It's not always first first round picks that are, that end up being your stars. Sometimes it takes a fourth rounder who is a late bloomer or something like that. Maybe calls that I don't know. Maybe to a degree Jones is that. Maybe I don't know. Um, but could be one of them. Got to find a spark plug somewhere. Not, ma- not many teams have won a championship off the back of a 22 year old superstar. Like the nationals did. I know, but like even last year with the Braves, they lost their 21 year old superstar and they put it together with a bunch of kind of cast offs and late bloomers. Eddie Rosario. <laughs> yeah. And Eddie Rosario. So yeah, I don't know. Um, it's about gotta, finding the right guys at the right time most of the time. Yeah, exactly. And, and and with someone like Jones, who's shown talent throughout his career, as you mentioned, and has learned and has shown also that he can, to a degree at least, hit uh, lefties the last couple of years in the minors. Well, then um, give him a try. Like give him a try. If it doesn't work, then it's still the youngest farm system in baseball, and it's still bursting with talent. Trade it for someone else, like Juan Soto, just to pick a random name out of the, out of the air, <laughs> and then or, extend them for I don't know, 10, 15 years. Who cares? Just random 15 numbers. Years, I'm just, I'm just saying some some words over here. You don't got to listen to me if you don't want to. I'm just a big old dummy. So, you know, yeah. Uh, I think uh, that'll do it for this, this week, Merritt. If you haven't a already. classic podcast, once again. Rate and subscribe. <laughs> if you haven't already, follow us on uh, Covering the Corner on Twitter and Facebook. Coverthecorner.com. Uh, follow the podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, subscribe. Leave a review. I haven't gotten a while. Let us know what you know of the podcast. Let us know what you like of the podcast is the words I meant to use there. Um Follow us on Twitter. Yeah, I'm Matt R L Y. Don't tell us. Yeah. <laughs> don't tell us. Don't tell us. Yeah. Uh, is at Merrill Lynch, like Merrill Lynch with lunch. I don't even know if I did that right this time. I don't you care. did this time. It's fine. Move uh, on. Nailed it. Uh, Merritt, talk to you next week. I'll be there.